0: Ever thought that minor tweaks in your financial plan could lead to major wins? Well, in this episode, we're going to explore the surprisingly powerful world of simple financial adjustments. We're going to talk about some financial tweaks that matter, small steps that could lead to a big impact here on Middle Class Millionaire.
1: becoming a millionaire isn't just about growing your money it's also about protecting and preserving your wealth by using the right financial strategies for your situation welcome this is middle class millionaire with john choi john has his masters of science in financial services and is a certified financial planner and the president of epiphany capital
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's Middle Class Millionaire with John Choi, Certified Financial Planner and Instructor for the CFP Program, Certified Financial Planner Program, talking with me once again about investing finance and retirement and some small wins that can hopefully provide some big impact to the retirement plan, uh, retirement strategy. And we've got a few things here. We're going to break it up over the next two podcasts. So make sure you're subscribed to us if you're not already. That way you can catch new content as it comes out as well as check out past content, and you can find all that information at johnchoy.net. That's johnchoy C-H-O-I dot or you can also type in middle class millionaire in the search box of whatever app you like using, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. John, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm getting ready for the holiday season. How are you? Doing pretty good. Yeah, you and I are talking uh, this week. It's a couple of days. It's Turkey Day, so uh, hopefully uh, everybody's going to enjoy their Thanksgiving holiday. This will drop probably it might drop. We might drop it real fast before Turkey Day. Otherwise, it'll be right after. But <laughs> either way, yeah. you got any big plans? Well, my f-
2: my daughter from college is back home. Uh, yesterday, all five of us were in the kitchen. Six if you count the dog, and he is a member of the family, of, <laughs> of course. Of course, and of course he is, of course he is. My favorite member sometimes. Yeah, right. So, anyway, are <laughs> the the one that gets the most love, let's put it that way. Yeah, they um, demand it. Yeah, so if, yeah, so it, it was it felt complete, it felt uh felt great, and I can't wait to enjoy slow down a little bit. It's been a it's been a busy year yeah. for for a lot of us. It's been a busy year for me. So slowing down just a little bit, enjoying time with the family. So I am excited. I am looking forward to this end of the year
0: season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the year gets, it's supposed to slow down, but it does get busier too. So with that, that's why I thought we'd break this into two podcasts and share some little places here where, you know, it doesn't always have to be wholesale changes to the financial strategy uh John to make things, you know, improve or whatever. So we'll just go through a few places where some little tweaks, especially in the fourth quarter, right? As the year's winding down, we tend to spend a little more, right? Cuz we got the holidays upon us. Thanksgiving dinners not cheap. My, you know, wife went to get the turkey and she was like, "Holy cow." <laughs> You know things like that. right? So it can add up a little bit. So let's go through these. Like I said, I got 10 of them. I want to break them up into the next two shows. So we'll do five today. So let's jump in and get started. Uh, right amount of cash. Sometimes people pile up money in checking or savings, at least certainly whenever we're having tough economic times. Sometimes we feel like we need to start stockpiling a little bit, but you got to still be careful, even with the interest rates being better right now. Don't let that necessarily be the thing that gets you... Uh, I guess too heavily weighted in cash. Is that maybe a good way of viewing that?
2: Yeah, I, I've got maybe two uh, separate ways or separate schools of thought on this. Okay. Um, if you if you like cash, that's your that's your company. I, that's we we all like cash, John. Come on, now. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But some people are like, look, I forget about this three month, six month emergency fund. I need two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in yeah. cash. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That that's a behavioral bias, and you're never you're never going to get over it. So I don't try to fight it, but instead of having it in a savings account, please, especially like today in today's environment, um you're seeing four to five percent on money markets. So why would you put it into a savings account getting point one percent? Yeah, when you can just put it in a money market, which effectively i mean for the risk reward, I mean there's really not a whole heck of a lot of risk in money markets, right? It's very stable. Get your five percent that that's huge. That's my first thought. Yeah, and Second now I wouldn't put that.
0: Is, I wouldn't put that whole amount in there, though, right, John? You want to be careful, right? Like if you're sitting on a ton of cash, don't go crazy, right? You still want to have. You still do want to have some stuff, you know. I guess in the access accessible part of the savings, yeah. Well, the money market is accessible. It's very liquid. I mean, you can,
2: you know, write a check against your money market, and oh, okay, and well, there yeah, you go. it's 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 liquid. It's uh, it's all good. Turn it into cash gotcha. stability and, so stay, stability stay within and those, speed uh, to cash. Yeah.
0: Stay within those FDIC limits, though.
2: Yeah. So that's the other thing, right? Um, that's what I was going to mention. Gotcha. Is you have to be careful on what, a, what money market is covered by FDIC and what is not. So, for example, if you have a Schwab money market uh, mutual fund, mm-hmm. and I forget the ticker symbol, but it ends with an X. Not FDIC insured, but a MMDA, a money market deposit account that you have your bank. That is FDIC insured, mm-hmm. and I, I may have to do a whole podcast on FDIC, but <laughs> we can. Do uh, I, I mean, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars per institution per ownership category,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and that get that that can get a little hairy. So if I have an individual account, that's two fifty. If I have a joint account, all of my joint accounts, another two fifty right? And IRA, another 250. So we can kind of like stack and play games and put it across different institutions. But yeah, that's FDIC insurance in a nutshell.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, So again, finding the right amount of cash, you know, just making sure that you're, you know, got the right thing going on there can be an easy adjustment. Uh, How about cleaning up the old life insurance policies? Number two here, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I use the television analogy here, like TVs, remember remember the TVs, you know, even in the nineties, right? They were huge and bulky and they weighed a ton, obviously going all the (laughs) way back to the seventies, right? They were definitely massive. You couldn't lift that thing. That's a furniture piece. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, you know, nowadays, they're super light, super easy, and it's almost cheaper a lot of times when one goes out. To, well, it is cheaper instead of trying to fix it to just replace it. Well, life insurance policies have changed a lot, too. So maybe it's worthwhile to take a look and see if you can clean up a little bit there. You may possibly get better insurance at a lower price. Yeah. You know, actually,
2: I just thought of something. Um, just going back to that first subject of cash, Uh huh. I do think that you cash can act as a nice volatility buffer uh, in retirement. What does that mean? It means that when you're in retirement and you need to pull money out for for living expenses mm-hmm. out of your investments, right? You, you don't want to do it when the market's down. So you're like, okay, genius, where am I going to get the cash from? Well, you get the cash from your money market. You should have enough in your money market in retirement, I think, and depending on the other things that you have, it'll act as a volatility buffer. That means you pull that, you pull out what you need for retirement in that year from cash mm-hmm. instead of your investments which have gone down because now you're taking a double hit. If your investments go up, great. If it, if your investments go up a lot, then awesome, just make me I, I don't want to say an exact double distribution, but you want to take out a little bit more, replenish that rainy day fund so that when the market does go down in the future, then you can dip back into the cash account. You can leave your investment alone. So gotcha. sequence of returns risk, that's a great volatility buffer for that. Now, for life insurance policies, sometimes it's better to replace it. Sometimes it's not. It's given the fact pattern of you know, how old uh, these policies are, how old you are, uh, what kind of policy it was, what kind of policy is being offered. There's so much uh, um, factors that go into should you replace or not. But you should replace in general generally speaking, right? You should replace it if it's going to be a benefit to you, and you shouldn't if it's not a benefit to you. And the only way you can do that is if you run the numbers and if you can run scenarios, then that's really the only time that you can you can make that decision. One other thing that I do want to say about old life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. you know, it, Mark, you know, uh, a term policy has zero cash value. okay. And a lot of times, you have this old term policy that you bought. Maybe it's a 30-year term and you bought it, I don't know, 20, 22, 23 years ago. You don't need it anymore. You bought it you know, when the kids were little and you didn't have a lot of assets. Well, a lot of things have changed in 22 years, right? right. So you don't need the term policy anymore. Well, you can let it go. And But the other, the other alternative is, and it's not available for everybody, you may be able to sell that policy. Like, what are you talking about? There are companies out there that if your health is eh, not as good as it once was, you're not terminally ill, mm-hmm. but you may have had some, how do you say, some nicks and dings and some challenges in your life. Let's put it that way. Okay. And you're, and you're not the uh, physical specimen that, that you once were, and you're a little sick. They might buy that policy from you instead of just saying ah i don't need this term policy i'm just going to cancel it. Get nothing for it i mean i've heard stories mark where people these um and they're called life settlement companies and and companies but this is a life settlement uh they bought the policy for it was a million dollar death benefit for like 400000 dollars mm-hmm. and you know in on your balance sheet it's worth nothing but they'll they'll buy it for you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that could be a good thing. That could be a real good thing. Gotcha. Okay. So don't forget about, don't forget about selling or replacing uh, old life insurance policies. So I guess that's the moral of the story.
0: Gotcha. All right. Sounds good. All right. So let's uh, talk about, well, since we're kind of talking about cleaning up, how about consolidation, Uh, especially of old 401ks? You know, it always cracks me up, but it's kind of blows my mind that somebody would be like, they come in to see somebody like yourself for the first time. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, I think I have some old money laying here or there. I mean, me personally, I'm like looking for the Five bucks I left in a jacket last Christmas, right? But uh,
2: looking at the couch cushions, right? Exactly. All, all change, yeah.
0: but uh, but there are people out there that have them, right? So it's definitely worthwhile to consider consolidation, and it's going to make your life and your advisor's life easier.
2: Yeah. So you know the um, the default, the knee jerk reaction for a financial advisor is, oh, you no longer work at the company, let's roll it over into an IRA,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you know because they want to manage the assets. I, I I get it. I understand. You know, uh, but before we do that, we have to stop and pause for a second. This is the whole DOL rule about they're really making the advisor pause and saying, "Is it really in in the investor's best interest to roll it over? Is it?" And you know, the advisor's typical reaction or their answer is, "Of course, it's better. You get a lot more." investment choices in, in an IRA we have a lot more flexibility so on and so forth um, and they get paid on it don't you know let's let's not forget that they do get paid to do that but the deal wants to know or wants people to pause because there are some advantages of not rolling over what do I mean by that well you know in a IRA if you pull money out of there before you're 59 and a half, Remember what you get? You get a nice, juicy, fat 10% extra penalty (laughs) right, on on, on top of your taxes. Remember that, on top of your taxes. Now, in a 401k, if you're 55 or older, technically in the calendar year you turn 55, if you separate service from the company that has that 401k, you can withdraw from the 401k at 55 or older without penalty, without that 10% penalty. So if you need some, those gap years, I wouldn't roll that over. I would just keep it in the old 401k in the company that you most previously worked for. And then I would withdraw from there. And there's a couple of hacks on that thing, right? So the first hack is, you know, let's say you had three, four, five old 401ks, roll all those over, not into the IRA, but to the 401k that you're currently working at. Let's say you're 54 and you're like... All right, next year I'm going to retire. I'm sick of my boss. Mm -hmm. I'm going to roll all those 401ks into the 401k that I currently have, not to my IRAs, and then I can use that. I can use that uh, at 55 years old after I retire from the current place without the 10% penalty. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so and, but, and
2: I've got other hacks on how to use 401Ks uh, <laughs> with IRAs, but I don't want to give away all the secrets. Well, I was so. going to
0: say, so certainly you want to make sure you're talking with a qualified professional for help and doing this properly so that you don't incur any extra issues. So if you do have some questions about any of this stuff, uh, certainly a, a, a consolidation is one of those. Make sure you're talking with a certified financial planner like John. Yes. Reach out to him for sure at johnchoy.net. Uh, that is one of the scenarios. things
2: that we do. Teach on about, and it's taught heavily on 401ks and IRAs in these acts. Well,
0: like everything, in, right? In our CFP school, right? Yeah, so. like everything, maximization, strategizing. Uh, goes a long way, right? You don't know what it is that you don't know. So that's why you turn to a professional to help you out with that stuff. Little tweaks. Little Little tweaks, tweaks, right? That's right, little (laughs) tweaks. All right, right. number four, reconsider that the uh, managed account has limited management. We see a lot of accounts, John, where people are paying a fee for management, but there's really not a lot of management going on, right? So could be a place where you could make a little tweak. In the words of my fellow CFP instructor,
2: asset allocation is like breathing. You should be doing it rebalancing is like walking, you should be doing it. These are things that some advisors say, oh, this is what we do. We rebalance, we do asset allocation. And you're like, yeah, no kidding. And that's all they do. And they charge that fee, 1.25, 1.5% fee. Right. I don't know what they get for that. I don't know what the consumer gets for that. I I never never understood that. If you're going to charge that fee, you better bring something to the table. You better add a value add, like talk about taxes, talk about retirement, those those 401k hacks, talk about your insurance policies, put together a balance sheet put together an income statement, talk about estate planning. The the six modules of the of the CFP, you know, the cornerstone of the CFP. You better be talking about that. You can't just say one slice of the pie. Remember that trivial pursuit That's right. That's right. That investment. I I don't know how you can charge one percent, not do the other five. I think that's uh, I think you're overcharging. Let's put it that way. I I think people are paying a little too much. So, yes, uh, people just do that. They set it and forget it. And they charge that. It's the lazy way to make money. I I don't like it. If you're going to do that again you, you got to advise on the other five pieces. Yeah. So make so, sure
0: you're adjusting that, right? Taking a look at that. And, and actually that might lead to this f- final fifth one here, John, uh, in the conversation around mutual funds, because obviously there's a lot of fees there, right? So maybe thinking about replacing those, for example, on that prior uh, conversation, you know, you might be working with someone who's got you in mutual funds and they just never change them and they hardly ever communicate about them because it just is what it is, right? They just kind of let it happen. Uh, and maybe replacing some of those with like ETFs, might be another place to get a win and I just saw an article not long ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago that said you know the death of, of mutual funds at the hands of ETFs and if there wasn't so much money in them they think you know this this was I think it was Wall Street Journal talking about you know mutual funds probably won't go away but they certainly are not being you know offered by many advisors across the country anymore because there's better options. I think the people that recommend
2: mutual funds are the people that are in brokerage firms. Sure. Vers- right. uh, versus versus the ETFs, which are more registered investment advisors like myself, mm-hmm. because we're not beholden to a big company. I'm not going to name any names, but you know, think of your big brokerage companies. We don't work for them. We work for ourselves for the most part. We work for our client. Okay. So the some of these big brokerage firms, again, not naming any names, they have some. They've cut these um, sweetheart deals with mutual fund companies.
0: And it's to you know, push, push a product, little, right? It's like yeah. it's like Walmart selling a specific line of sweaters one, over another one because they've got a better deal on buying those sweaters.
2: Exactly. that That's exactly right. Uh, and so, again, not everybody, but that is something that you really have to watch out for. Check this out. I saw a I was doing a, a 401k analysis and I was looking for, for the company, actually, and I was looking at their menu choices that they're offering their their participants, their their employees. I saw a money market fund, money market fund that had an expense ratio of over one percent. I was like, is this even getting one percent? I mean this is, you know, because mm. they've had it for a while. Last year money markets were paying what 50 basis points, half a percent, you know? Right. It's like you would be guaranteed to lose money after fees if you put it into this money market. I'm like, that is just you got to replace that choice. That, that's that's not being a fiduciary. You could be sued for that. Mm. I mean, I, I would be mad if I was a participant and I knew what I was doing. You know, I, I'd be pretty mad. How are you offering this 1% money market fund? So yeah, you have to really pay attention to these high expense mutual funds. And ETFs are often, I'm not going to say always, but more likely than not, a better or a cheaper choice for almost the same thing.
0: Yeah, and you think about also just the point of them, right? That This technology allowed us to create these things in the 90s. Uh, Mutual funds have been around since the 1920s, right? So uh, some of the technology kind of waited to happen. But I mean, they trade like a stock, right? You don't have to wait till the end of the day like you do a mutual fund. There's there's a lot of different reasons why ETFs have just kind of taken over. And of course, certainly uh, fees are one of those. So again, little tweaks, some things to think about, some things to bring up to your financial professional. If you are not working with one, well, there's many reasons why you should really consider that because there's so many little things that uh, nuances and little tips and tricks and hacks and things of that nature that We just don't know because we don't do this every day. So that's why you want to reach out to a certified financial planner like John. He is the uh, president at Epiphany Capital, and you can find him online at johnchoy.net. That's johnchoy.net. You can book a chat, book a call online. Just check out that link on the website. And you can reach out to him and get started today if you've got some questions. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast Middle Class Millionaire on Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good jazz. And we will do part two in a couple of weeks. So, John, thanks for hanging out, buddy. And breaking it down, man. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate you. And you guys have a fantastic Thanksgiving. And we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks into December here on Middle Class Millionaire with John Joy. All right. Take care, everyone.
1: Epiphany Capital is a registered investment advisor, RIA, located in the state of Illinois. Epiphany Capital provides investment advisory and related services for clients nationally. Epiphany Capital will maintain all applicable registration and licenses as required by various states in which Epiphany Capital conducts business. As applicable, Epiphany Capital renders individualized responses to persons in a particular state only after complying with all regulatory requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption or exclusion.